Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of The Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein, and this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE and you can get a welcome bonus from your first deposit to Bet Online. It's schedule release day. We're not going to have a ton on it in this particular show, but super exciting. The schedule for the 2020 season, whether it happens or not, or is in the same ballpark of what it'll be announced as tonight or not, is being announced on Thursday night. We'll have a special podcast for you Friday morning, breaking down the schedule, looking at maybe some tough areas for the Lions, looking at some areas that might be a little bit easier, looking at what they might be able to do this year with the schedule they have. Although I'll be frank with you, usually I roll with a 8-8 eight and eight prediction at schedule release time almost every year. But this year is different because it's coming after the draft. So there's at least a little bit of a better idea of what this team might look like. So be prepared for that to come out tonight as far as the actual schedule release goes. And then we'll have a podcast ready for you first thing to, on Friday morning for your enjoyment And other than that, if you look really at what's happened with the Lions over the last few days since we last spoke, there has been a few things. Matt Patricia talked about that he has started to play the ukulele in his downtime. And uh, being on that Zoom call with him, it was actually a very funny moment because he was asked about kind of what he's been doing to pass the time. He talked about spending time with his family. He talked about playing with Barbies, with his four-year-old daughter, Giamina, and then he reached back, and I had no idea what he was going to grab, and unfortunately, he had a Zoom custom background behind him, so it kind of got green screened out, but he held up a ukulele, and it was probably one of the best moments that Matt Patricia has had in a press conference or Zoom press conference as a coach. It was very natural it was very funny it it was very humanizing and then immediately right after he got asked whether he was going to play the ukulele he wouldn't play it he said that right now he doesn't play songs he thinks they're songs but really they're probably just noise that's something i can sympathize with as my guitar playing has become very very stagnant and i can probably play noise as well but it was a very Human moment from the Lions head coach, probably the best moment of about a half hour conversation where Matt Patricia seemed really relaxed. There was no tense moments and it it was a good press conference for him. He was open about a lot of stuff Uh, on ESPN.com. I wrote about what has been one of the biggest changes for the Lions, which is strength and conditioning programs. They've had to really individualize it for everyone. Not quite, as Matt Patricia said, like a personal trainer situation, but they've been asking guys, what do you have? What don't you have? And we've seen it on social media, whether it's Tyrell Crosby in a gym in Las Vegas or Ty Johnson pulling a Jeep in Maryland. Guys, or Matthew Stafford working out with some other players, we've seen various levels of guys being able to get their work in. Matt Patricia and Josh Schooler, who's the new strength and conditioning head, basically asked all the guys, what do you have? What do you need? What can we get you? And they started shipping dumbbells and barbells and kettlebells and hang bars all over the country. If guys needed them, some did, some didn't in an effort to kind of keep them in some sort of shape. To me, one of the biggest concerns with this, and this is league-wide, not just when it comes to 
the Lions is what practices will look like when guys come back. And the reason I say that is we've seen it over and over again with players, especially players who are a little bit older that maybe haven't been in the league for half a season or for a full year like Des Bryant a few years back. I guess it was two years back now where they come back and they go too hard, too fast, and then they end up suffering some sort of injuries, sometimes significant, like in Des Bryant's case, and other times not as significant, but something that's going to keep them out for a little while. So once teams get back and are able to do things, it's going to be really interesting to see what that ramp up looks like. It's why I think that where maybe some people are talking about a truncated training camp, I think there should be an extended training camp with more ramp up, with more of an ease into things because football is a violent sport. Football's uh, injury prone sport. We all know that. And that's going to be something I think that teams and coaches and frankly, I think the league office needs to really consider when it comes back whenever that is, because as much as guys want to train, much like the other sport I cover, MMA, which is going to have its first round of UFC fights in a while this weekend, I've talked to gym owners and trainers, and all of them said the same thing. You can't get the same level of training right now in this time that you normally can, and that goes for football as well. Sure, there's not necessarily grappling in football, but there is hand-to-hand combat or hand-to-hand work there is close proximity work and the level of training i'm sorry you're still not going to get necessarily the same level of training because you don't have a trainer necessarily to work with that you did under normal circumstances so i'm interested to see what the ufc fights look like this weekend but for when you transition that to what the nfl is going through i think that that's something to consider as well when it comes to all of this And we get into workouts and we get into a little bit more than that with our guest tonight on the show right after the upcoming break. And that is former Lions running back Zach Zenner. Zenner obviously was a fan favorite for a while. And we get into a whole bunch of stuff. We get into what his workout regimen has been. He's a free agent right now. What's it like to be a free agent right now? And what has changed for him in his post-football plans? And that's a big thing, actually, because... If you remember, medical school, I've written about it. Other people have written about it. Zach has talked about it over and over again. Has always seemed to be the predestined path for Zach Zenner once he was done with football. And as you'll hear from Zach, that has changed. So it was a fun interview. We also get a little bit into his Lions career, about what could have been in certain situations, how he feels about Jim Caldwell, how he feels about Matt Patricia, think it's a pretty enlightening interview i think you'll get something from it Uh, i'm glad zach was willing to come on the zoom call and chat for about 45 minutes to an hour it's a good conversation and as always we want to know who you want to hear from in the future we've got a couple of other guests lined up here for the next couple of weeks but we want to hear from you let me know who you want to hear from leave it in the comments on twitter leave it in the comments on instagram Leave it maybe underneath a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, And yeah, just don't forget to download and subscribe if you've been enjoying the show as we've seen some new listeners come in recently and we're very grateful and thankful for that. So we'll be back right after this break with former Detroit Lions running back, Zach Zenner. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Las Vegas to you. Are you missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online is live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can also bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day. It's all online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. And listen, guys, are you looking to last longer? Go a few extra rounds. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable That brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. 
You could take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. And now, back to our show. My guest today on the Michael Rothstein Show played running back for the Lions for a few years in the middle of, I guess, what was now last decade. He was a big fan favorite. He was the albino rhino, which is still one of my more hilarious nicknames that I think has come out during my seven years covering the Lions. He is Zach Zenner. Zach, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So far, I just want to ask first, like, because I don't know if I've ever asked you this, like the albino rhino thing, like, what do you think of that? Because that was one of those that like came out of kind of nowhere, it seemed like. Uh, well, I didn't come across it too much in my day to day. But when I did hear about it, it always made me smile. I mean, I think it's pretty creative. And um, for a running back, it's not a bad animal to be associated with. So <laughs> is, it, is it something that like did you ever think about like marketing that i mean you had a lot of different nicknames during your lions career from that to doc to i mean then the obvious one which was like z you know yeah um i don't know i never really thought about that i'm not someone to you know i don't have that knack or that even that desire to really be like a marketing person yeah um and you, you know that just from talking with me i'm just much more uh do what i do what i'm doing you know don't really need to talk about it and uh, don't need to broadcast it so that's what <laughs> that i would never have marketed that no or anything about myself honestly <laughs> so i've asked everyone this question just to kind of start out because it's just kind of the world we live in right now what have you been doing in these pandemic times like what's life like for zach Zenner? Zach Zenner in Minnesota in uh, semi-quasi-quarantine isolation? Well, I mean, I'm, for the it's starting to get a little bit back to normal for me because I'm lucky enough to have a gym that's willing to let a couple guys in at a time um, go work out and use their space. So I'm fortunate enough, you know, this is starting up uh, – my second week doing that so it's I'm very fortunate for that so it's getting a little bit back to normal you know it's going to work out and then going home and taking care of kids and doing life after football stuff stuff and some stuff that uh I do all the time but before that I was just in my garage I mean I had rollerblades full of water bottles I had boots full of batteries I had a car or I had a old marine deep cycle battery i was lifting um i was just making do with what i had in the garage uh but aside from the workout aspect just you know getting ready for what life after football looks like i'm a property owner now so everything that comes with that first time owning property and having a yard so you know i had to buy like a lawnmower and (laughs) things like that um uh, and taking care of kids, two young kids, that's been the main one. I mean, they're, they're a full-time job in themselves. So that's what I've been up to. So, all right. So before we get into the life after football stuff, which you've already talked, you know, you've hinted at a couple of times, just what was the oddest kind of constructive machination you did to create a weight? And did you actually like put these things on a scale to be like, okay, this is, nine pounds this is 15 pounds you just kind of roll with it (laughs) oh no definitely did not just roll with it i had um i had my hunting boots and in one boot i had all of our batteries like i always like to have batteries on deck i'll say like just you know little kid toys and all the stuff we get you always need batteries so uh we just have a ziploc bag full of batteries double a's triple a's uh, a couple of those little ones. And so in one boot, I had those batteries and it came out to 5.4 pounds. And then in the other boot, I had to put um, 
my drill, my power drill, and a couple other tools like a wrench, some things to, to finally get it to equal 5.4 pounds. So what would you do with these 5.4 pound weights? So I had a 10 pound barbell from my parents' basement. And it was really, it was really, a, the, you know, the, di the diameter of this barbell was probably like a centimeter. So the boots, you know, that um, like loop that you can put your finger in to put your boots on? Yeah. I would put these boots on the barbell with that loop. You know, use that loop to kind of hang the boots on the barbell so I would have another five pound weight because I had weight that went up to 75 pounds in total, including the bar. So then I just needed more weight. And I did the same with the rollerblades. Using that loop, I just put them on the barbell and lifted them that way. So this might be a dumb question, but did you just consider Amazon ordering like 35 pound or 45 pound? <laughs> <laughs> I did consider that. You, if you, even now, I think if you were to go on and try to buy weight, from anywhere, you would not be able to get any. It was just a run. When this all went down, I was not, you know, I was of the mind that, oh, you know, a couple weeks, we'll be back to normal. So I was like, I can make it with the weights that I have, no big deal. And then it started to extend. I'm like, okay, I need to buy some weights. There was none, there was none out there. Everything was sold out. You go on Rogue, you go on Elite Fitness, you go on, um, York, you name it, uh, sold out. You go on Craigslist, good luck, nothing out there. And then it came to the fact, point where, okay, yeah, I, I couldn't find weights to just add to my collection, but I also didn't want to buy like the $5,000 rack with everything. You know, that was, there was like, there was no in between. It's like, I, I couldn't buy any like little weights to kind of keep it going. And the next step was buying a, a rack, a full rack with a full weight set, which is like gonna be like three grand if you wanna buy a nice one. And I don't have space for it anyway. So I just filled up my rollerblades and boots in the garage. So when you go back to the gym last week then, is that an odd, I mean, it seems like it would be an odd experience anyway, but was that even odder because you're like, well, I don't have to worry about like a loose rollerblade hitting me in the face. Uh, it was, I was very grateful. I was super thankful for the, you know, just that opportunity. And um, I'm still not taking it for granted, the ability to just go and use a gym uh, is something I did take for granted before, for sure. And now I'm just so grateful that I even have any space with a weight set to do that. So you mentioned life after football, like that you've been prepping for it. Let's start here. Do you want to keep playing or are you, has this kind of, because you're a free agent right now, for those who don't know, or has this kind of pandemic kind of said, you know, told you, you know what, I, I think I'm ready for what's next. No, I definitely still keep playing. I mean, I think this last season I wasn't at my healthiest. I wasn't feeling my best and I've, done some things and found the right help to get healthy. And I definitely feel like I would still can still play. And I definitely would still play. Uh, it just depends right now on what's, you know, right now there's not a lot going on as far as free agents and stuff. There's not a lot of practice going on. Um, you know, it's all virtual. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely still play. And I'm, I'm one of those people I've, I've always believed that I can do both and, you know, I'm not, you know, staying in shape and staying football ready does not hinder me prepping for life after football and the other way around, you know, preparing for life after football and taking some steps in that direction don't, does not take away my drive or desire or my effectiveness in preparing to still play football. So what's it like as a, I mean, because like you are a free agent, right? what's that like as a free agent, not necessarily knowing whether you're going to get a shot, whether you're going to be on a team, whether you're going to play now, because by now, every year, if I remember correctly, you were on a team. 
yeah, yeah, that's correct. I was on the Lions every year, yeah, except this year, um, in the spring. So it's it's a lot different, and it it makes you wonder. You know, you have doubts creep into your mind every now and then. Like, is this worth it? Like, do you know? Do I even need to be lifting, or should I just? I mean, I'll always lift, but do I need to be lifting like I'm lifting, you know, and going as hard as I'm going? And uh, is it all going to pay off on the football field or is it just for my physical fitness? You know, so there's there's those kind of thoughts that you have. But to be honest, I, I love work. You know, I have those thoughts. But at the end of the day, I love working out. I love being in shape and that's going to be part of my life no matter what. So at this point, it's not too difficult and it's not an intense commitment. You know I mean? I'm, I'm gone a few hours a day to go work out, but other than that, I'm home. You know, it's not like I'm at a facility for my family, away from my family or anything like that. I'm just go work out for a few hours a day and come home and that's it. You know, it's not like an, it's not an enormous commitment uh, to maintain while waiting to see if I get an opportunity. You, you mentioned post-football and planning for it. Most people who are probably listening to this podcast probably assume that you already knew what you were doing post-football based off of stories I've written and other people have written. So what what are you planning on doing post football now, whenever that comes? Because I think that some people might be surprised. Yeah. So all the stuff that, you know, as you mentioned in the past, been talking about medical school, but there was an interview. I believe it was in training camp this last fall where, you know, I was in front of the shark tanks, I'll call it for, for fun uh, with the media crew and all the outlets uh, the practice field and they're asking you know is medical this is you're going into your fifth year is medical school still kind of the, the route for you and I I remember mentioning that maybe not medical school but but maybe maybe medical school maybe not but science will be involved in some capacity and that's still true that still holds true but right now what I'm, what I've been working on a lot this winter, is actually going to be a contract advisor or working to become a contract advisor, which is that's another word for agent. So helping guys get to the NFL and stay in the NFL as an agent, and helping them with negotiations and their training and honestly just getting to the NFL and staying in the NFL. And I've got I've got a heart all players, but especially the small school guys, because if I hadn't come across my agent, I, I did not have the, uh, I did not have a ton of options in my opinion mm-hmm. of experienced agents that I felt like matched up with who I was. And I just want to be that for other people. And uh, I think I would be, I would be good at it with my experience in the NFL. So that's one, that's kind of the, the piece that is added, I'll say. Uh, I still want to do something with science in moving forward. I'll do research again with Sanford this spring. But the new piece is the agent thing, which I'm excited about. And I've been working working towards, I've applied to take, take the agent exam. Uh, I've done a couple of shadowing things with my agent. So yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. So to backtrack for a second, would you still consider going to medical school or is that actually now off of the table for you where you're like, that's, you know what, I don't want to make that commitment anymore? I don't know if it's, you know, I don't ever want to, I don't, I'm not a person who ever is going to throw something entirely off the table just because I don't have to, you know, I always keep as many doors open as possible, but just as I sit you know, and look at my two sons and think about what what my journey has been and what I really have a passion for now. Uh, I'm not sure medical school is the right path. So right now I would say most likely not medical school, but I'll never rule it out entirely. 
Um, and there's a couple reasons for that. But honestly, the biggest reason is, well, my passion is now lies in nutrition, treating with supplementation, more treating the chronic issues that people have mm-hmm. instead of acute care, which I think, you know, our health system does a pretty good job of acute care, but as far as chronic conditions, I think there's a lot of room to improve. And I, I understand that, you know, I could go to medical school and then, you know, learn those things and have a practice and cater it how I want, but I don't believe that. My understanding is that medical school does not do a great job of teaching people about those things, about nutrition, about uh, chronic conditions and how to treat them. I think it, it shows in the health of our population in the United States today. And I would go to medical school to get the piece of paper and then would go learn what I actually was passionate about. So just the effectiveness and the, the use of time doesn't seem right for me anymore. Was that a difficult decision to come to? Or was it just more like, yeah, this is, this makes more sense for me now? It was, yeah, it was more gradual, like the latter, you know, kind of, this is more what is, what makes sense. And I spent a lot of time in prayer and meditation is because I had done a lot for that medical school. I mean, I took my MCAT last, last year. That was a, that was a grind. You know, I spent six, uh, six to eight weeks or so in a room by myself with whiteboards uh, studying. And I don't think that's ever wasted. You know, I think that was really valuable for me to go back and go through all those sub that subject matter again. But, you know, that was a lot of, that was a lot of time and energy invested. And only after did I kind of have the slow realization that maybe it wasn't the right path for me. So it was challenging to kind of wrestle with, but I did have, uh, my wife is someone she kind of she saw it from farther away meaning i think she knew that it wasn't as likely that i was going to go to medical school she knew before i did um but yeah definitely a lot of prayer meditation thought talking to different people and again it's the door still isn't shut in my opinion but right now it definitely uh, seems more unlikely so when you kind of come to her and tell her that you have this realization that she has already had for you, does she kind of be like, I, t- I told you, I told you I told so. so. <laughs> um, in, her, in her own way, yeah, she said, I told you so, for sure. I feel like we both, we both do that to each other all the time, whenever we have a chance, you know, to say, I told you so. <laughs> How does she do that to you? Uh, it was more just like, yeah, I, I've kind of known that for a while is kind of in in short what she said and she kind of went through her analysis of it and where how she'd come to that conclusion and just kind of we agreed i guess which was nice so do you now have to if you want to work in science so like you said in nutrition do you have to go back to grad school or can you now do this without having to go to any more education i think i just in my own personal experience it's possible that I could do I could help people and set up some sort of shop just with what I have now but I would be doing people a disservice I don't consider myself nearly qualified enough so I would most likely do some I'm for sure going to do a series of certifications that'll be recommended by people that I know and that I'm close with in the industry already. And then if they just, if they tell me, hey, you should really, you know, a formal education in this degree would be really important and you'll need to do legally to treat people and to help them, then I'll do it. But that's all just gonna be based on recommendations that I have from people that I respect and that I trust who are uh, working as nutritionists already. You realize that's going to be potentially an, another graduate school exam. Hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to take some, whatever the grad school exam, I'm just going to use my MCAT score. Oh, Say, can you do that? I don't know. I mean, I'm going to, 
everything's negotiable. I'm, I'm sure I can uh, can work something out. I mean, if I put it this way, I would put the MCAT at, you know, the high end of testing requirements. So I'd imagine that I'd be okay with in other programs, applying to other programs with that test. You mentioned you're going to work at Sanford again this spring. Are you still going to work with Batten disease or are you transitioning to kind of in accord with all of this? Are you transitioning to a different type of research as well? Well, I'm, I, that hasn't been entirely determined yet, but I, my understanding was that it was actually just going to be with Batten disease again, just because I'm familiar with that lab and it's really, hardcore science and they have nutritional aspects to their research, but still up in the air. Okay. So the other piece of this is now becoming contract advisor, sports agent. What was it? And you hinted at it a little bit already, but what was it that was it like an epiphany was again, just gradual that said, yeah, I want to go and try and do this really difficult career now too. Well, I think it was, you know, when you think about not, if I'm not going to go to med school anymore, think about what else, you know, would I be good at? What else do I know? It's like, well, I really know football and I really know the NFL and those. And I also feel like there's a need in the agent world or contract advisor world for people of integrity and high morals to help the smaller school guys, really an underserved you know, subset of the football world. Because there's quite a few you know, every year from a smaller school that make it to the NFL. But a lot of times those guys don't have a lot of people to, to choose from, just because just they don't have as much exposure, things like that. And I think what really appealed to me was helping someone like myself get an opportunity in the NFL and helping them stay there. And for someone, you know, if I wasn't there, they would just kind of be at the whim of whoever showed up at their door, you know, and who doesn't really know football. So I think the, it sounded really rewarding, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And helping guys get from college to the NFL who maybe wouldn't have had a shot otherwise. So does this mean, I mean, I guess when you were, you know, last year was kind of a weird year for you, but even before that, were you still watching a lot of smaller school football or is this going to be kind of a renewed commitment now where you're like, I'm going to have to figure out how to watch like D2 football games. Like I'm going to be like, you know, I got to, I got to ramp up my internet to get, to get better streaming. Definitely need to re you know, ramp up my internet and get back to watching the, those sort of games because I, I only ever watched professional. I mean, I just would prepare for the, prepare for the games and prepare for the opposing defense. And in my free time, I didn't really want to watch, uh, more football because I had watched football every day, you know, watching tape and watching it all during meetings. And I'm one of those guys that I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd keep up with my alma mater, you know, South Dakota State and what they were up to in the games there, but I wasn't very into the college football season. But now, definitely, or like you said, a renewed commitment to watching college football. But at the same time, I'm not watching. As I'm not on a team, you know, I'm not watching any any other football right now. So it's uh, it's working out great. Are you watching games now? Like, are you now watching guys who are going to be seniors? Like, have you dug up, like, I don't know, just like Lindenwood or like Bridgewater College or Mount Union tape? <laughs> I haven't dug that deep yet into those. Well, because it's hard to find. I mean, I can't, I can't really get tape on those schools. You'd have to go there. And right now um, – there's not a lot of travel, so that's out of that's kind of not that's not an option. But uh, in the future, for sure, right now it's mainly just all been what I can find on YouTube of uh, FCS programs. 
so, which there's, you know, depending on the school, there's a decent amount out there. So when you look, like you, you know, you've talked about how maybe if you hadn't met Chris, you don't know where your career would have been. How do you, since it seems like the career is at a little bit of a crossroads, how do you view your career when you look back at it now? Oh, um, in what context, like as far as like success or just in general, how do I view it? Yeah, success, like what you maybe thought it would be. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, as far as what I thought it would be, in your mind, it's a lot more glamorous. And when you're actually there, you know, you think the NFL is one thing and you get there and it's just guys working really, really hard (laughs) every single day. And, uh, and it's still football. So you have it in your mind that it's this some shiny, glamorous thing. And then when you get there, it's just hard work, just like most things have been your entire life. So that was different for me. And it's, a, and also, you know, dear, I've lost all starstruckness. I don't know what the proper word is for that, but there's no, everyone is just another person. You know, God made that person too. (laughs) As they like, as we said in college, when we were playing, you know, a bigger school, they tie their shoes the same way that you do. Um, And yeah, there are some people like Calvin Johnson who God made a little differently than everyone else, but he's still just a person, you know, like, and, um, so I've lost that as well. And as far as success, you know, when I first got to the NFL and I kind of, kind of figured out what it was, you know, after my rookie year, I had a goal. I wanted to be vested, I wanted to be a vested veteran so that I would get all the benefits, uh, what that comes, that goes with that. And, um, that is accomplished after three years. So I played five. Right now, a five under five credited season, so I'm I accomplished that goal, and I got to carry the ball a little bit. So definitely, you know, lived out my my childhood dream, and everything else has just been extra and icing. What was the moment where you lost that starstruck feeling, or was there a moment? I think it's just gradual. You know, there wasn't a moment, but you know, if anyone wants to lose a sort of start struckness, just go talk to Matthew Stafford. Um, I mean, there's a guy that has, as you know, is probably the same guy he's been his whole career, super down to earth, just one of the guys yet is, has been one of the stars of the NFL his entire career and is known you know, and is extremely well-known, is a star for sure. And uh, so getting to interact with him, that was a big one. Um, You know, being around Calvin, uh, you know, when you're around people like that, of that status in the NFL, it, and and you see how they are. And how, like I said, just guys, (laughs) it just, it slowly takes it down takes away that starstruckness that can come over you that came over me my rookie year (laughs) you you mentioned your rookie year obviously you got pretty badly hurt like it was you had just started to get some work get the ball a little bit and then you end up in the hospital do you think at that point oh man like i this might i might have been able to do something and this might have gotten pulled away or yeah yeah all those thoughts you know thinking wow, you know, it it had been such a journey and I was finally there and I was getting the ball and getting to run the ball. And I was like, man, now it's over. You know, it's, it ended and it ended so abruptly and I didn't really get a chance to show what I could do. It just stopped. So there was a lot of disappointment with that and sense of loss, loss, not only of my rookie year, but loss of what could have been, you know, if I had been able to keep playing and stayed healthy. 
Do you still think about that now? Because I mean, if you had played, if you had continued playing on that trajectory that you were starting to play on as a rookie, who knows where your career might have gone? Uh, you know, I, I would say no. I don't really think about that as much because, you know, what, what the injury did give me was a whole season off, and I've dealt with my share of injuries and wear and tear on my body. I mean, I ran the ball a lot in college, and running backs and abusive position to play and uh I think I've I viewed all my injuries <clears throat> later you know as, as especially as I get older as just a blessing to still be on a team still get a paycheck but just rest and all my injuries you know I've had uh you know those ribs and um, a broken back and they've all healed all those things heal just with time. And I never needed to do some extensive long rehab program. And there was never any question about my ability to still perform after those were healthy, you know, after those bones had healed, it's like, well, your bones are healed. So you're good. You know, it was never, there's never like, Oh, he tore his ACL. Is he still as fast or a hamstring or anything like that? So I always considered myself very blessed with those things and just viewed them as time uh, for my body to recover. When, when you looked at, like, when you look at your career, is there a moment that stands out to you? Because I mean, there was that time it was, you know, kind of, I think it was towards the end of what, 2015 or 2016, where you were, I mean, you were carrying the ball a lot. Yeah. 16. I mean, that was really fun for me. I mean, we went to the playoffs and I played in Seattle and it was a cold day. And I got to run the ball quite a bit. And I carried the ball a lot against Green Bay in that, um, you know, winter. I can't remember why that. I think if we won, we would have won the NFC North. No, I don't remember how that – something was something was at stake, and we ended up losing. But, yeah, that was really fun for me to carry the ball like that and, you know, um, show that I could – that I could do it, you know, a, l a little bit show that the opportunity to show that I belonged. And, you know, though that you could maybe argue that those opportunities led to my next three years in the NFL, you know, getting to stay in the league. You, you mentioned that, you know, like that 2016, I think the, the game that might stand out the most to people is the Monday night football game, because you had, that was, you know, a really impressive first half. And then you get, basically don't play in the second half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was everyone, people like to talk about that. I think that was the, you know, fell victim to falling behind, you know, and, and then you start to throw the ball, then you fall behind more and well, now you're kind of screwed. You know, you just got to keep throwing it. So um, yeah, it's just the nature of the game. And I'm always, I always have the mindset of, you know, I'm not there to worry about what plays called. I'm there to execute the play as best to my ability so I was never concerned about what the play call was or why we were doing this or why we were doing that just tell me what the play is and I'll do my best your last game I mean not to jump too far ahead but your last game with your with the Lions was statistically your best one when what's that like going into that week in 2018 which you know at Green Bay What's it like going into that week and then you have the success you have even in a week 17 game where, you know, neither team was really playing for much at that point, like as far as anything other than like a win and a loss. And then everything that happens after. What's that week like? What's that after like? Well, so, I mean, as far as I, I will say that, you know, you mentioned it's just for a win and a loss. There's actually everyone on that field is fighting for a job next year, you know, and it, and fight. So really there's, there's jobs on the line for everyone, coaching staffs, players, um, pride in your work. So there's a lot going, you know, there's a lot to play for. And that year had been really unique for me being, I had been at home for the first eight weeks with the broken back, like I had mentioned. And then I get, signed back to Detroit and end up getting to carry the ball a lot towards the end of the year again. Um, it was a lot of fun. And to play in Green Bay, I mean, I love, I love 
running. I love playing in the cold. I love when the footing's maybe not so great. And that's really my specialty. Uh, that's where I love playing in those games. I love running the ball in those games. So that was really fun for me. And aftermath of it was, well, that was fun. Let's, let's see what happens. You know, I didn't know I was a free agent and I'm never one to count anything before it actually happens. So yeah, I'd finished strong, but I still needed someone to want me to play football again uh, the following year and ended up getting a really nice deal and signed with Detroit. Did you think going into last season, I mean the 2019 season that, that you were in better shape roster wise than maybe other times? Um, I think I always view myself as just a bubble guy and I always need to make it. But, you know, as it went on and as training camp went on and how things played out, I saw a spot on the, I saw a hole or a, a place on the roster where I thought I fit really well. And so going into the end of, you know, at the start of training camp, I didn't feel that way. But as training camp went on, I did feel that way that, okay, you know, uh, I see where I fit and I see kind of what's happening here on this roster. So, yeah, I, I like my chances. I felt pretty good. Well, then uh, I got released. <laughs> so that just goes to show um, that you never know what's, you know, whatever you're feeling or even if you think you've got a good a good thing going or you got a niche cut out on a roster, uh, a team can always decide to go in a different direction. What was the what was last season like for you? Because like you said, I mean, you get released from Detroit. There was some thought, at least among the media and public, that you got would get released, and then the second there was an injury, you might end up right back. Very similar to to kind of what happened in two thousand eighteen in a lot of ways. And then you end up kind of bouncing around the league. What was that like? Because you had never experienced that before in your career. No, it was. Well, first, the workout circuit is exhausting. I mean, there's a – what I mean by that is every Tuesday, teams bring in people, free veteran free agents or not even veteran rookie free agents, and they take them through a workout. Uh, you fly in. Typically, you know, some places are easier. Some places are harder to get to. Uh, but usually you get in late on Monday. You got to work out early, early – or you got to get up early, early Tuesday, and then you got to work out Tuesday. And then they take you aside and say, hey, you know, you did great. We're not going to sign you. And you get back on a plane and you go home and you do that every week for, or every other week for six weeks. Or for me, it was seven weeks off. I had five workouts. So you do that. And it's just every time I left, every time my wife and kids dropped me off at the airport, I was potentially not going to see them again for weeks or months. So uh, there's quite a bit of social stress involved with that, just with your family. And then also there's physical stress being on airplanes and, um, you know, new hotel rooms and uh, going and working out. Uh, so there's, a lot of stress involved with that. And then um, when I did get signed, you know, to the Saints, and I played a lot. And they, you know, the Saints, I think, are a really good organization about having a plan. And they signed me, and they had a plan for me and used me. And then they released me on uh, Tuesday morning and signed someone else because they had injuries. So, and then I went to – then I went to the Cardinals, then I went to the Dolphins, then I was home. So it's just a lot of um, uncertainty, I guess, at the end of the day, is you don't know what's going to happen and just got to go with the flow. Did, did that time during last season when you're bouncing all over the place kind of in your mind start to say, yeah, I need to really figure out more maybe what's next than, than you would have if – You've been Detroit for another year. Oh, for sure. I mean, you you sit there and you're like, this sucks. <laughs> I, I don't know how many years, you know, I, I can do this, you know, bouncing around, all the uncertainty. It's just, you, sit, you just don't know. You just start to wonder, like, man, I don't know. But then you get signed. You know, then the Saints sign, I mean, like, it was all worth it. You know what I mean? It was all worth it in that one instance when the Saints signed me I was on the team Wednesday 
I got to play in a game. Uh, so that was, you know, it just, it all became worth it. So you have those thoughts, but then you get signed and it's like, okay, uh, I do it all again. <laughs> you know, you, you have the, it's kind of like training camp. You're like, man, this sucks. But then, uh, you know, when you're not in training camp, it's even worse. So what was the weird, like, because I've written about the workout circuit before, and I know it's just insane, as you were describing. What's the weirdest workout story, most, like, insane workout story you had? Uh, I didn't really, I didn't really have, like, you know, a crazy one. It's just all, you are the lowest on the totem pole you are the least, the least priority, you know, they got to get everything straight. They got to find out the team has to find out what's going on with the injuries. Then they have to find out, then they're doing stuff on the opponent and then they have to see, okay. Then they bring us in to work out. They see how we move. Okay. Do we, then they have to decide what do we want to do? Do we want to sign any of these guys? Are we just going to try to make it? You know, there's the team has so many decisions to make before they can get to you that you're just at the whim of their schedule. So, I mean, we'd be in locker rooms for hours just sitting there, you know, cause we got to go in, we do the medical and everything gets passed with the medical. Okay. Well then we got to sit and wait to do the workout or you got it or vice versa, or you sit and then you sit and work out and then you got to sit for three hours and wait for them to make a decision. And uh, then you got to get back to the airport. So it's just, you're just at the whim of the team and it all is logical. It's, it makes sense, you know, that that's what happens to you, but you, that's just where you are as far as, uh, you know, the natural order, I guess, or the hierarchy. And uh, so you just go with the flow. Cause like I said, you know, you're doing that cause you want to get signed and you'll do anything. Anyone, you know, on those workout circuits will do anything to get signed. I'd sit there for three days in the locker room if I had to. Would you actually talk to guys while you'd be waiting in the locker room? Like, did you end up running into the same guys on the circuit and like start actually like develop friendships or like conversation pieces with where you saw a guy like three times in five weeks or? Absolutely. Me and Murph, man, Marcus Murphy. Um, we got to know each other pretty well because we were at like four or five different ones together and we played against each other uh, in 2014 when he was at Missouri. So yeah, I got to talk to Merv. Um, Benny Cunningham was another one. Him and I got along really well. Uh, Alfred Morris. Um, oh, gosh, there's more that I'm forgetting, too. Uh, uh, but, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was definitely just talking to guys. And there was always, like, a different position group, too. Oh, I ran into Wick, uh, Cole Wick. You'll remember that name. Yeah. Um, where did I run into him? New Orleans, I think I ran into Wick. So, yeah, just like seeing people. Oh, I ran into Luke Wilson. I was with Luke a couple times um, after the Raiders released him. So, just just fun, you know, running into guys. That's how you made it fun is just talking to them and um, hanging out with those guys. I mean, if it – you know, it, it always took a while to warm up. You know, we're always all a little bleary-eyed and kind of – still sleeping mentally right away in the morning but as the day would go on usually the conversations would warm up a little bit <laughs> did you have did you have any lasting friendships that came out of that or more just like out of convenience like acquaintances where you run into you know like you said marcus murphy or or benny cunningham yeah. i think it's more acquaintances but you know i feel this way about all my teammates like if i if i called any of those guys up and wanted to hang out or I was in there, I was in their neighborhood or, you know, where they're part of the United States, we could meet up and go out to dinner or just hang out. Yeah. You know, I've always felt that way. It's not, you know, especially with two kids, it's not something I can typically act on as much as I used to. I felt that, I felt that way in college, felt that way in the pros, you know, I could have, I would feel comfortable hanging out with any of my teammates. And um, I feel that way about any of those guys that I met on the circuit too. I usually, this is the question I usually wrap up on. Was there, and I, I'm more curious about it almost with you, would people trash talk you and what was like the best piece of trash talk and worst piece of trash talk that you heard? Oh, no, I mean, 
not a ton of trash talk for me. I mean, there's a lot more trash talk in college for me than there was in the pros. Um, you know, the beginning of the game, someone gets a nice lick on you. You hear stuff like, I'll be here all day, you know, all the usual stuff. Um, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll be here too. Um, I always thought it was more funny. You know, something you said the best trash talk. Or funniest or whatever, yeah. And oh, even- I remember one. I remember one. We were, um, we were playing the Vikings. It was 20... 20- 18 season and I was starting to get the ball a little bit and I had a couple nice runs since the fourth quarter and Harrison Smith tackled me there was a holding so we were in our um we were kind of coming out of our own end zone and had a nice like 10 yard run but they called some holding on deck I think it was um which I disagreed with when I'm watching the film later but anyway uh Harrison Smith said something like I don't know why you guys don't keep running that play and I looked at him and I like it took me like and I just walked away I took me like a whole 30 seconds to realize what he'd said it was so different than anything it wasn't trash tag it was just like a comment like a conversation and he just mentioned it's like he was mentioning it to me and it just that occupied my brain power for a good 30 seconds so I guess that was the best piece of trash talk because i guess that's the point of trash talk right is to kind of <laughs> occupy your opponent so that was the best that i ever got because i didn't really understand first it was kind of hard to hear him and then when i realized what he had said i was like why would he say that <laughs> and then it's like oh he just mentioning it's a good play and it's working well okay you know and then i moved on but that took me like 30 seconds to kind of get all the way through mentally process what he had said so that was probably the best one funny you mention that because i covered harrison smith when he was in college at notre dame and like hearing that does not surprise me at all based off of like what i knew about him i guess what 10 or 12 or 13 god old years ago (laughs) like not at all so would in college would guys trash talk you more because i mean you were such a, a big star in the SCS level and you got the ball like you know what was it? three th- you know insane amount of times 25 times a game uh, 25 yeah. 25 handoffs a game yeah I think um yeah there was a lot more I mean I don't it was there was never any you know anything of note like that like the Harrison Smith comment there was there was all just all the same macho stuff which either would laugh or just ignore. Bye bye. I got one more question for you, which is like, how do you, because you were there for a good part of Caldwell and then part of Patricia and certainly like the first, a majority of the first season, Patricia, other than when you were out, you know, when you weren't with the team with your back, how do you describe what the, the Caldwell locker room was like versus the Patricia locker room and, and that dynamic, because so much has been made of that obviously over the last year and a half, maybe. I think it's different leadership styles, you know, as far as, and then the effect it has on the locker room, like with Caldwell, you were expected to perform and do your best out of respect, not only for him, but for your teammates. And, and it was a position, both parties were from a position of respect, meaning, he respected you as a professional that you were going to do what you needed to do to prepare. And in turn, you needed to respect him and his vision that he had for the team and, you know, follow through with his vision accordingly. Well, as my, my opinion, but this is all my opinion, of course, but Patricia's uh, leadership style is more of a position of fear and that and not so much mutual respect, but more you need to have respect uh, for him and believe in what he needs to do. And then if you don't, then they'll find someone who does. And that's, uh, you know, again, it's more of like a fear-based uh, leadership style. Um, and again, as far as which is more effective, you know, I, I won't, couldn't really say. But I think um, 
those are that's the difference that I saw. Uh, and I and I will say, you know, just since you brought it up, there's been a lot about there's been a lot said about Coach Patricia and what he does and things that have happened. And uh, I personally never had a problem with him. I think, you know, he's just uh, coaching in a way, in a style that he knows that he, you know, I mean, he's been with right through the Patriots and also I think he does care about the players, but he cares about winning more. He cares about the team more. And so he, he does, you know, he does like guys and have relationships with guys, but at the end of the day, it, for him, it's about winning and he's willing to sacrifice any, he'd sacrifice every single personal relationship he had to win. And I can respect that. Uh, also, I would say that he adapted and adjusted things based on feedback and based on things that worked and things that didn't work. And he's willing to change and grow. And I think he's will continue to do that his whole coaching career. So I have a lot of respect for that as well. Was that maybe just jarring? And is that you think why a lot of maybe the things that have come out have come out because the styles from Caldwell to Patricia are just like, so vastly different it's like you know apples and zucchini (laughs) yeah it is yeah they are extremely different i mean i i touched on it there and it's it's a totally different feel in the locker room but i think it there was a little bit of a transition that you could see coming when uh bob quinn became the general manager so when martin mayhew was the general manager our practice squad in 2015 was the same like, I don't think – I think we had, like, one or two guys, you know, change, right? Yeah. Well, fast – you know, fast forward to your 2016, we, there was if, – if you were on practice squad for three weeks, you were a mainstay. You know, you'd been there a long time. Um, and that's just the difference of management style and then bringing Patricia and uh, that is now continued – or the same mentality is found at the head coach level. So um, definitely a huge change uh, between Caldwell style and Patricia style. And again, I don't know. It's hard to say which is more effective. Um, I think this next year will say a lot about, you know, as far as in Detroit, at least, which one was more effective. You plan on watching if you're if you're not on a team this year. Are you planning on watching a lot of the NFL or? Yeah, I love I love watching the NFL. I'm in general more prone to watch the NFL, and I have my whole life. But especially now that I know players personally, and I still know a lot of players on the Lions. Um, you know, like in the running back room, like I. I love love watching Carry On and Ty and Nick, the guys that I know that I knew in, in Stafford and um, Marv and JD. You know all the guys that are still there. Um, when I was there, that I knew and that I was teammates with, I love watching those guys play and compete. Um, and what's fun is that I now know a lot of different guys. Uh, you know, around the league, like on the Saints. I know I know guys on the Saints. I know guys on the Cardinals. Um, I know, you know, and then those have kind of spread out, right? Like I love watching Dave. I look forward to watching David with the Texans this year. So he does in that offense. Goes with him in Arizona. Look forward to watching KD this year. Um, look forward to seeing what uh, Patrick Laird can do down in Miami with uh, Miles. So, yeah, I got some, you know, as far as I have a lot of people that I will look forward to watching and just kind of keeping up with uh, just my friends and acquaintances, old teammates. I, I love that. I love watching those guys and watching them compete. Hey, Zach, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, and thanks for, uh, thanks for popping on by and uh, maybe we'll have you come back soon uh, when, if, and when you become an agent. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, that sounds great. We'll uh, definitely stay in touch and, uh, Yeah, and come on and chat again. Absolutely.
So thanks to Zach for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed having him on. We'll have him on again as well once football gets going again, especially if he's able to find a team or if he maneuvers into that new role he was talking about as being a sports agent. And it'll be interesting to maybe track some of that transition from Zach before we get to kind of the closing a little bit, just want to thank you all again for listening to this show, for continuing to listen to this show. Tell your friends, tell your family, download, subscribe, all of that. And while you're at it, if you have some money that you want to spare, check out A2 Neighbors. They're at a2neighbors.givingfuel.com backslash COVID-19. The whole thing that they're doing is... It's in Washtenaw County, and they take money that you donate. They then get it to local restaurants to help them pay their workers, and then those restaurants go and feed the frontline workers at local hospitals who are trying to take care of us during this pandemic. It's a great system they've got going. I've done some deliveries for them to help out. They're friends of mine, and just, yeah, if you can, if you can spare a few bucks, whatever it is, be greatly appreciated. Thanks, as always, to my producer, David Woodley, and to Blue Wire Regents Field and Bet Online for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. Follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Don't forget, again, five-star review, download, subscribe, if you're so inclined, wherever you listen to this podcast. And we'll actually chat with you tomorrow with a special schedule episode. And then we'll be back again on Monday with our next regularly scheduled. Take care.